So we were um, waiting for David to arrive. And people knew that we were supposed to be doing that baptism. Oh man, that was the worst feel in the world. At three thirty, because it was hotter than blue blazes, it was so and it hot. was. We everybody got there at three o'clock instead of getting there late, like we expected them to. Yeah. Yep. Um, because and we'd scheduled the baptism for three thirty, and David's driving up from Austin. Yes. And, and so. So I felt so bad. Like, is he going to get all this way and miss it? Right. And so we're delaying, and we're delaying, and we're delaying. So we move from singing one song to two, and people are staring daggers in me. I can't imagine if they're staring daggers in you as you're going into Ebenezer's and right. you know. Although that was beautiful, I gotta say, that was <laughs> beautiful and 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 really fit the moment, right? Because yeah. Glen Lake is one of those places for Dylan and, and his family mm-hmm. that is one of those touchstone. Uh, marker places where God does holy and powerful things. Right. Um, and, and then I knew as we were wrapping up the second song, I saw April grab clothes and run across I the, saw her run. the bridge. Yeah. I'm like, okay, he's here. This is good. We don't have to go to song three right. um, and endure any more death stares. Yep. Um, be like, I mean, because there is that moment where it's like, we are here and we are excited for Dylan and we want to support him, but you are making us sweat an awful lot That's to right. support him in this and moment. And the 112 heat index yeah. was enough to sweat. Yes, yes it was. Yes. We, we even had a third song for afterwards planned. <laughs> and you said like, all right, let's sing out. But like half the crowd just like left. We're done. And I was just saying like one chorus and was like, we're good. We're good. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to go swim now. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It the was pool gates are open. Yeah. Uh-huh. But in that moment of, you know, April running with clothes for David to change into, but the song was already ending. And I think David realized that it didn't matter because right. he came up to me and said, where are we going? I said, we're going down the ramp to yeah. the waters. And <laughs> so David ducked under the railing with me and we walked lost down. Lost his phone, lost his wallet, took the shoes off. Yes. But full jeans, full, I mean, that's what David wears to church. Yep. Jeans, boots, dress shirt. Yep. In, I hope his watch was waterproof because he was in the water in that watch too. <laughs> uh, but just walked down and, and we went. Because that was the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it was so amazing to, to see Dylan's face because it was a surprise. He didn't know yep. he was coming. Right. Um, and, and and David had been so formational in um, Dylan's faith formation during that time where they were out in Stephenville at mm-hmm. Tarleton in, in, in that season. So it was so cool. But that, that got me wondering, watching David walk into the water in all of his good clothes, right? <laughs> he ended up putting the swimming suit on as the change of clothes for later, but that's all right. Um What's the craziest thing you've done because of the power of community, right? What would you do for community? <laughs> yeah, what instead of the cl- community. <laughs> <laughs> yes, instead of a Klondike bar. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do for community? Yep. That. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's um, it. Nope, you're not getting my take on Oh, it. come on. <laughs> uh, uh. So, I mean, I feel like this is something that maybe a lot of people um, have done or felt if they chose to go this path in college but in college I was a freshman at Texas Wesleyan and one of my good friends from high school we both ended up going to Texas Wesleyan and so like week one of classes are ending and she comes up to me and she's like hey are you coming with me tonight I'm like to what and she was like so we can start rushing for sororities and I was like 
what? Like, I, I knew <laughs> nothing about that world, but she did. And she was like, come on, you like people. I was like, okay. And so we, <laughs> so, so we rushed and, you know, all of that is craziness if you've ever been a part of it. But what I really remember is the being on the other side of being in the sorority during rush week. So all of the work, like it is your first week of school, you know, you're get hitting syllabus shock daily from classes. And then as soon as classes are over, you were like ordered to immediately show up in some room of some building on campus so that you can turn it into a winter wonderland or you've arrived in 1970s and you've stepped through this time machine or or whatever and you go from like the moment your last class gets out until often 1 a.m in the morning all to prepare for these girls to come through tear it down do it again the next day and that is an entire week of your life the more you talk the more i am incredibly glad i did not do the greek life of Baylor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah because texas wesleyan is greek life light right, i like yeah. to say right um but anyways but at the same time you know as much as i can look back like some of as much as that was crazy and ridiculous and some of the dumbest fights broke out between friends during that time, it was also a time where some of the best laughs, like ending mm. up on the floor, side splitting laughter happened. Some of my favorite memories came from hanging fluff on the ceiling to look like clouds or, you know, whatever it yeah. may be because of the people that I did it with. Hmm. My dorm was actually on Greek Row in in college <laughs> at UTA, so I would I never was a part of the Greek life stuff, but it was always happening like right outside my window. Uh-huh. So sometimes it was very loud in the mornings oh, whenever, yeah. during rush week and things like that too. So I remember it well. Because somehow you also have to wake up and have a full face of makeup and hair done and the correct earrings on. Yep. That's the hard life. I remember those days. Yep. It's very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you only do it because of the relationships in the community. Only and, because right. of that, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess the cra- – I don't know if it's the craziest thing I've done for community. But the most recent thing I've done that I maybe would have chosen not to do, but the community like got me to do it, was on mission trip mm-hmm. uh, when we were uh, in Corpus Christi uh, every single night. First of all, that trip was my second week of work here. Yes. So, and I was doing all the new things that I've yes. like never done before for a job, especially. And so I, I actually felt daily like I was, I had so much to do. And by the end of the day, I was like, oh my God, like it's just a big sigh of relief. And I just wanted to go to bed. However, that is what, <laughs> those were the times. That's when, when community. Right. That's when the community kind of reared its head because all the kids would go to their rooms, which were kind of in a separate hallway, which gave um, the adults to some some space to either go to bed or quietly stay up and talk. And of course, being the uh, being just with some of the people that were on that mission trip, like you and mm-hmm. like, oh, that was you, uh, Melissa, not you, Jane. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you and Marianne and, and some of the other uh, volunteers and, and adults that were there too were... Uh, would like to stay up and chat for a while and it would get to, you know, 11, 12, pushing 1 a.m., you know, and I would still be up talking to these people and in my, the back, back of my head, I'm like, gosh, I'm tired, but the front is just like, no, keep staying up. This is really fun because you're getting to know these people and um, this is, this is, it was all just new and the conversations we had were really great. We talked about 
theology and our lives, and it was really good um, just getting to know each other. And I and I do uh, remember distinctly having the thought of like this is this is worth it, even though I've been up since you know seven or whenever we were getting up and very stressed out all day and just want to go to bed again so that I can do it all again tomorrow. But um, it, that was the that was the part of the, of the trip that I think is going to stay with me. And I think that was the best part of the trip anyway, um, was getting to know all the all the people. And so that was probably, I don't know if that's a crazy thing I've done for community, but that was, that was a, uh, when, you're, when your brain is very tired <laughs> yeah. Yeah. at the end of the day, 1 a.m. becomes a crazy place. And, and, yeah. I do and remember. Then, there. And Why? knowing like 6 a.m. is when you're getting back <laughs> That's up. always the thing. It's like, six oh is coming. God, yeah. six is yeah. around the corner. Yeah. And yeah. I remember looking at my watch and going, oh, crap. I did it again, <laughs> but it was worth it. That is good. That is good. A couple of years ago, April had started doing uh, some boot camp workout things mm-hmm. and, and found real community there. And in fact, our church at that time hosted, well, our parking lot hosted uh, one of those boot camp gatherings. And, and it was during the workday, so obviously I couldn't do it. Um, but she worked on me for a good six months to, to okay. get going. Yeah. She's like, all right, preacher, you're getting too fluffy. Come on. Um, I saw um, April do the announcement on Facebook that y'all are doing Whole30. Is the, oh, Did she make that yay. Did she make that uh, announcement on Facebook for also for your benefit so right. we church people will uh-huh, know too? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there there is a level of uh, if you offer me pie the next thirty days, it will be both a kindness and a meanness all at the same time, um, because both sugar end. and dairy and all of that is is not an available thing for me. Um, but after a number of months, April talked me into doing it, and so I signed up and I started going. and And the only trick was that the the times that were available. Mm-hmm. That did not conflict with work. Yep. We're 5 a.m. in the morning. And I am not good at midnight or 5 a.m., but I'm better at midnight than I am at 5 (laughs) a.m. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) But I got up that first morning and I went and uh, nothing will remind you how out of shape you are. Um, until you are surrounded by people who are in shape and, and doing stuff. And, and a month and a half later, I was feeling great doing the same workout that nearly made me want to die that yep. very first time. Mm-hmm. But after that first day, I experienced an incredible uh, power of community, but also a lot of pain. You know, what, sometimes when you work out as a guy, you're like hoping, man, you maybe we'll get swole and stuff. But my bicep doubled in size in one workout. I don't know what <laughs> happened. I went to the doctor. They're like, I don't know. You did something. I'm like, well, thank you. That's helpful. Um, but it was like twice as big as it normally and just inflamed and mm-hmm. hurting and bad news bears. Um, yeah, it sounds terrible. It sounds <laughs> awful. It was awful. Um, you know, the fact that I went to the doctor means that it's bad because um, I'm that guy. Um, or one of those guys. There's I am a lot not. of us. Okay. <laughs> I've got, I don't know when the last time I was at the doctor. <laughs> well, that, that, that's the that deal. means you are you one are of that those guy. guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. You only go if you're trying to die. Okay. Um, and, and so, but I kept going back and I kept going back and I kept going back. Not because I felt great afterwards. To the boot camp, not to the, boot to the camp, doctor. Not to the doctor. Yes. <laughs> because in that little boot camp, they had a, they had a community that was powerful. You were radically welcomed, radically well received, and and sort of brought into the family really well. It, it's it's like when we do uh, church small groups and those kind of things at their best. It's that you there's this place of radical welcome and radical hospitality, and 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 you find home here. Yeah. And so for 18 months before we moved here, 
I was getting up at 5 a.m. four times a week to go work out and and do all sorts of fun and crazy stuff. I, I It started out as crazy and it became fun. Uh-huh. Um, and then when we moved here, I couldn't find that same community with the same with the boot camp company yeah, that we've yeah. been working with, and and it didn't take long for five a.m. to become a sleeping time again, rather than an up and wake and up and awake time. Yeah. Mm. But I think that speaks to the power of community. Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm Jess Kiefer. We are so glad that you have joined us here today. It is a day where we're continuing in this series where we're asking ourselves a question, why bother? Yep. Right? First was, why do people need Jesus or why even bother with Jesus? And today we're asking ourselves a question that I think is critically connected to the power of community that we've already witnessed. Why do people need the church? Um the church at its core is is a community of people walking in the way of Jesus. Yep. Um, and, and and we deeply believe that there's something powerful that happens when we come together uh, to walk with Christ, not just on our own, but yeah. in community. Um, we end up taking steps that we wouldn't take otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like continuing to work out even though your biceps blown up, or <laughs> you know, continuing to stay up even though all you really yeah. want to do is go to sleep. Um, the uh, one of the things I'd love to to explore a little bit is where has the church been that kind of community for you over the years? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember very vividly. Um, when we were church planting, I had a group of guys, and, and this group of guys w- was a group of guys who started coming to church because their wives told them to come to church. Yeah. Okay. Amazing dudes. I loved them to death, but they were coming to church because it was the family man thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, but this group of guys were the, were the primary group that set up and tore down worship every week of the world. We loaded and unloaded that trailer ungodly numbers of times uh, because we worshiped in a in an elementary school cafeteria. Mm-hmm. So we had wow. to set up the AV system every week. We had to set up pipe and drape every week. We had to set up the kids area every week. We had to set up the nursery. I mean, it was a full trailer worth of stuff that you had to haul everything in and haul it all back. And, yeah. and it's funny. Church was amazing and wonderful and, and a very spiritual experience. But there came this point over the course of those two years where unloading and reloading the trailer with those guys mm-hmm. became a holy experience too. Yeah. The guys who started out coming to church because mm-hmm. their wives told them to, mm-hmm. right? Or because right. they knew it was important for their kids to be there. Ended up finding, and we had conversations that you wouldn't, you know, you got to break down 10 walls to have those conversations. But because we'd set up a thousand pipe and drape walls over the years, it just opened the space for those kind of conversations. There's something about the actual physical work of setting and tearing things down that can also help people in those um, inner actually tearing down. It's like a little those loophole. Kinds of walls, it's like right? instead yeah. of having coffee 200 million times before you're like finally ready to talk about something more. There's something about like work. All of a sudden you're just talking about it because you've 
spent time even not talking like I don't know I've had that does happen before too yeah it is just a powerful place where church becomes that kind of Christian community and 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 those guys are still active in church today they're still active in church and they're not active because it's the right thing to do right Mm -hmm. they've taken on leadership roles in the church they're deeply uh formed and informing others in their life of faith and and they're sort of walking in a more powerful way uh it if you heard the sermon on sunday it's like they they've connected their engine to a good prop (laughs) right (laughs) yes and and they're moving forward with their family and with life and and a lot of um a lot of interesting ways the uh one of the things that's also a joy is mm-hmm. uh, the power of Christian community. And sometimes that community is as close as your very home, right? Okay, yeah. Um, wh- when I got home on Sunday, if, if for those of you who don't know April, if you do know Enneagram, she's a one, which means she's a perfectionist yeah. or a perfecter, right? She is always working to make stuff better. And, and she's the type A detail person that if you're really wanting to have something done just right, mm. she's going to do it just right. Right. So actually sitting on this table with us, because after we finish recording today, we've got a program <laughs> staff meeting and I have a task that I'll be finishing while we do that, which is this little clear box with tiny little holes, you know, individual cubbies in them with all the letters from our new letter board that we used for the blessing of the backpacks. And April and I had a conversation and she was saying, you know, she was the one who set all that up for us. And she handed me a Ziploc bag with all the attached letters saying, I think you should get like a, you know, a craft cubby or something like this. And I assured her that because I have a letter board at home, that that is the only way to go. And I don't think April would have sufficed if I'd said, no, I'll just leave them in the Ziploc bag. I imagine she would have showed up and, yes. uh, the next and, day, and, having a cubby. and craft cubbied it for me. She definitely would have if you would have asked her to do that. Keeps her up at night. She's like, I can't believe I just they're can't. just not in a cubby. I got to go right. get that cubby. And, and so sometimes the things she perfects are my Sunday morning sermons. After the oh, okay. Oh. There you go. Yeah. She's like, you know, that was good. It could have been better. If you, What if you just had walked down this road a little farther? Man. And, and the thing that she brought up Sunday that I'm so thankful that she did because it was so deeply enriched um, – the point I was trying to make on Sunday and hopefully can make a little better right now um, is that, yes, each of us is a beloved child of God with unique gifting and capacity. We're, we're that really good outboard motor, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, off, and we talked about how often when you have a dinged up prop, mm-hmm. you can't realize the full capacity of that. Uh, and that connecting to the church is like having a really good prop. But I didn't really get into the how, how that works, right? Yeah. Um, it, because, but April reminded me, it, it is just, so one of the things that happens when you're in a boat okay. is if you're renting the boat for the whole day, mm-hmm. you get the good boat that has been well cared for and well taken care of and is yeah. in good shape and has a good prop on hmm. it. Yeah. If you're renting for a half day or less, you get the boat that's at the end of the line that they have paid less attention to and cared less for. Ah. Right. Uh, and we were rented for half a day. And so yep. we got the boat with the janky propeller and, you know, went 12 miles an hour the whole time. But that level of, or that idea that part of the connection between the how good our prop is and how much we can uh, take advantage of the capacity and the power that lies in us is in the care. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm. and, and that is how, not just that the church is like having a good prop connected to, you know, that unleashes our power and unleashes our capacity for life change and transformation, but it is it is sort of the church that provides that ongoing care for your soul and for your spirit and for your life that ensures that you're... Uh, you don't have deferred maintenance on your prop, that you haven't hit a thousand tree roots on, along the way and have all these dings and stuff, or that when you do, you have people to come alongside you yeah. and, and offer you the kind of care that physically gets represented in the repairing of the prop along, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and making sure you've got those people to to come alongside you when you beat the heck out of whatever it is in your life, right? Right. right. Yeah. So. I think... Um... And uh, a very recent example for me was, so Patrick's grandmother passed away mm-hmm. this past week. And she was the church secretary for Meadowbrook for 27 years. And Meadowbrook, during the time when she was the secretary, was like one of the it churches in our conference. And so um, there were pastors, I preached the sermon, um, who sent, but there were pastors of hers that sent me things um, if they couldn't be there to say, you know, if you could include this. So among those names was John McKellar of White's Chapel United Methodist Church, one of our top 10 largest United Methodist churches, um, a former pastor from um, First United Methodist Church of Dallas, and Bishop Mike McKee. These were all people who, mm. in one way or another, said, this woman raised me to be the mm. pastor I am today um, because she cared so much about her job and her role. And so as I sat there, um, so the funeral was Monday morning, um, Saturday night. Uh, we Patrick and I went out to go gather with some of the family who had gathered at Jim and Cheryl's house. And I got to hear kind of some of those stories. You know, I've had my own experiences with Nanny, as we called her, Grand Nanny, um, for those with um, with her grandchildren with children. Um, and um, Sunday was packed between, you know, just normal church mm-hmm. preaching a sermon. And then we had the back to school splash. So it wasn't until Sunday evening they got to sit down and write her mm-hmm. um, her funeral sermon. And as I sat there and thought about how she represented the church and how she served in so many quiet ways, and I thought about um, the people who would be gathered there would be a mix of um, people who have been faithful to the church for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to do something to speak to them, um, but I also wanted to be faithful and speak to her family because um, in our larger extended family, much of whom was there, many of them don't show up in church except for mm. on special occasions um, such as funerals or maybe on a you know good Christmas Eve service, mm. maybe an Easter, right. you know those kinds of settings. Um, not in a way that closes a Bible and beats them over the head with it, but also acknowledged where the church is in those quiet ways that oftentimes we can miss, how the church can show up in community in the quiet ways. And so the thing that I saw as I looked back over, you know, this past few days was actually how my father-in-law showed up as the church time and time again in these spaces. And this was my mother-in-law's mother. So this isn't his mother that has passed. Um, But 
it was someone he deeply loved as well. And so I found myself in my sermon naming how the church showed up in uh, my father-in-law of showing up with fajitas to feed the family Mm. or um, when the church who is mostly a gray haired, it's a dying church um, was embarrassed, but said we can provide cookies and punch, but we have no way to cook because they're all in nursing homes now for the most part. Mm. My father-in-law just saying that's okay. And going and doing the, the Margaret George role of our church (laughs) of preparing the meal for the family to have after coming back from graveside. Um, And so I think one of the things that we can miss too and we can lift up and highlight and pay attention to in our lives is when that church community shows up even in our own families as you said Mm -hmm. with april and even in these small ways that we might not name as church but the reason jim did all that is because he's faithful Hmm. and knows how the church shows up in those bases and places for people Hmm. yeah the church empowered him and informed him over a lifetime to say when in doubt, I'm going to lean in in service and in love. Yep. And uh, was able to, to be a blessing to your family and to so many others. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. of that connection and formation. And, and yeah, we, we are, in, in many ways, you know, I think uh, when we ask why do people need the church, part of the reason why we need the church is because, as Kiefer named last week on why we need Jesus, if the command is to love God with everything we have and love our neighbors, we love ourselves, sometimes loving people is hard, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Even the people we're quick and fast to love, right? Even the people who we have every reason in the world to love, much less the ones who make us nuts, <laughs> right? But church mm-hmm. is that group in that community that gives us examples, both spoken and lived. It's that church that shows us what service and love looks like. It's the community of people that embed in us and in our souls um, that that take this faith that we assent to in our head and show us what it l- looks like when it's lived out. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's why we need the church. I mean, because I think one of the interesting things, if you span all of humanity and you ask if they're supposed to love people, every human being on the earth, aside from a few people with real deep troubles, is going to say what? We should love everyone. Yeah, we should love people. <laughs> should love right? everyone. And even if even if they're not quite ready to go, that we should love everybody. We should love some people, right? But how do we learn to do that hmm. in a real way, not just an intellectual ascent kind of way? But how do we learn to do that? We learn to do that when we're connected to each other. We learn to do mm-hmm. that when mm-hmm. it's lived out around us. We learn to do that in community, and and I would say in community, a community of people who are intentionally trying to walk in the way of Jesus naming those challenges, naming those moments when it's like, man, I know I need to love you today, but you are making me nuts and it is hard, but I'm going to try, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or like your father-in-law, I know that when we lose a loved one in our family, our hope is to be on the receiving end. Yep. And yet in that moment to create space for others because they could not just sit back and fully receive. Mm-hmm. He still, even in the face of his own grief and sadness and pain, sacrifices for the good of the broader group and the family. Mm -hmm. That's how we see what love looks like when it's lived out. Um, And that's why I think we should wrestle with not just why do people need church, but why do people need deep community and commitment within the church, right? This is why we think Sunday school classes are important. This Mm -hmm. is why we think... um, 
small groups are important. This is why we think our, our choir, while it's what seems like its primary function is to lead us in singing and, and provide beautiful music. is Which the, they do. Which they do, absolutely. But we also say to Wesley, the choir's not doing its job if there's not innate community here. Yeah. If if people aren't sharing life and sharing faith, if if that First Thessalonians passage that Paul says, um, we are so glad to not only share God's good news with you, but our very lives mm-hmm. themselves. If that's not happening, we're playing church. We're not being church. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So last night we had a go out team meeting. Mm-hmm. And in it, one of the things we spent a lot of our time on, so get ready for this church because it's coming, <laughs> um, is that, yes, we as a team have been meeting um, to discuss, you know, how do we faithfully go outside of our walls to right. love our community. Um, and the space we got into last night is we have about 350 people that show up on a Sunday morning. What would look? What would it look like if each of those people realize that a piece of the go out team is theirs to claim that Mm. they are truly all members that we are all truly members of the go out team and how do we create um, an invitation culture here at this church because we've already got some pretty solid hospitality stuff that has been in place at this church it's rooted in the dna of Mm -hmm. this church it's been around for much longer than i think just about any of us on staff have been yeah Yeah. Um, so people feel welcome when they come here, but how are they going to come here? Yeah. Um, and so in that, one of the things that we kind of um, wound our way around into, and it kept coming back up and up, of people are more willing to invite when we remember why we're inviting. Mm. So when we yeah. remember mm. that we're inviting, not because, well, we would like our church to double in size in a year and then we look like a cool church and da 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 da. No, like we invite people because there is already a community present here and a mm. community that does walk faithfully in Christ. And even that is really broad and vague. But in that, each of us can get to those specific ways, whether it's that my the choir is my specific community within this bigger awesome community or my sunday school class or um, my small group that's forming or my what you know the yeah. hiking affinity group that's about to start whatever it may be the wesleyan youth, wanderers the wesleyan wanderers it. right um or even the youth or the children's ministry whatever it may be right that they're that when you can name those very tangible specifics of how this church is your community. Each time we got someone got to that place, it was like, oh, it becomes really easy to invite someone. Yeah. You know, the one thing, or I guess one other thing that taught me community really at the same time growing up, I grew up in the church, as, uh, but I also grew up with two choir directors for parents mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, singing in choirs has been like a part of my life for I don't remember not singing in choir. I was singing in choirs in elementary school. And so um, that, uh, as a musician, I'm a huge, strong believer that, like, I can make really great music by myself. Some people can make really incredible things by themselves doing their own thing. Ed Sheeran, for me, is, like, one of those people. I'm like, holy crap, you do all of this stuff with your loop pedals and Uh everything that you do, and you, you can put on stadium concerts just by yourself, which is crazy. But I'm a big believer that when people come together, 
and in choir specifically, but even like when I'm doing like small gigs at coffee shops and things like that, if I have people playing with me and I have people making music with me, it's just better music. It's just better. Mm. You're able to, in a choir, even if it's four people, if it's just a quartet, you're able to lift up certain sounds and overtones and things that you just can't get if it's just by yourself. And I think that's always been sort of part of my theology just because I was growing up in that with the church and in choirs at the same time was just that like coming together kind of just fills in where you're weak is part of it too like where you like you you now have other people that you can lean on to achieve something more even if it's just you and one other person like you and that person can make better music air quotes you know because you're you're doing it together and then there's a third person and now all of a sudden we have 350 people coming together on a Sunday morning getting their orders for the week, you know, is the, is, is, is a really cool thing. So I think the church for me is just a place where, you know, we, we literally come to make music, but when, when we're here is, is how do we go out into the world and continue to, you know, all be singing the same song or how do we all continue to go make better music together? And how do we, that's so the community's always been, um, I don't know, I think embodied for me in that idea of just like better, better music happens when you do it. Together, I so. love that. And <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I thought of, um, y'all are going to laugh, and I don't know if anyone else has watched this, uh, but Beyonce's Homecoming mm. um, the on Netflix. I think it's still nope. on Netflix. Okay. Well, in <laughs> it, like, it the you need to watch it because I feel like your theology, she lives out mm-hmm. in this, um, you know, for building this one concert was all mm. it was for. Um, and in it, yes, you see the the different pieces of the concert, but it's constantly cutting back and off to as they were preparing and how she built it. And so there's Mm. just hundreds of people that it took to put this on the way that she did it. And the thing she was looking for was for each person's uniqueness to shine Mm. in the midst of these hundreds of people on stage working together um, and highlighting where you're different and together. And so whether you're the trombone players, you're just as important as the backup dancers or as important as the soloist or whatever it may be. Um, And so I just, you know, I saw like as silly as it may seem, but I was like, man, I love what Kiefer's describing. And when, when we as the church do that, we're throwing a Beyonce concert. And how could people not <laughs> want to come gather and see and watch that? Yeah, well, and, and, and find their place in it too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because I think Paul is spot on when he says, if we were all hands, if the body was all hands, what, mm-hmm. what would we be? If we were all, you know, we'd be missing so much. Yeah. Right, I love singing in choir, and I think the bass parts to songs are usually the coolest parts. But yeah. um, <laughs> tenor part's pretty cool. <laughs> but if we were all basses, we'd be a lot of blah 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 blah, and that'd be about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd be missing something. Yeah. And so I wonder today, who do you know that's missing that thing? Mm-hmm. Who do you know mm-hmm. that that whether they could name it or not is desperate for this kind of community? for this kind of connection, for this kind of group of people to come along and and let all of our lights shine together so that they make this beautiful rainbow of glory to God and transformation of the world all together at the same time. Yeah. Who do we know? And who can we invite in?
Thank you for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. Uh, and thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. Thank you for just our congregation and those out of our congregation who might have found this podcast. We just want to say thank you for listening and subscribing and all the things. Um, and we also just, again, want to push, um, if you want to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or um, a comment on SoundCloud, that's actually the best way that we can get this podcast more noticed and more listened to and, and reach more people uh, in their cars and mowing their lawns and all those things. We, we want to reach uh, as many people as we can, um, and we would like to invite as many people we can into this community. And, and now that you've gathered with us today, I want you to take that invitation, that invitation to grow that simply says, how can I better experience the power of community God has created me for? And who can I invite to come join me? And now go, receive this benediction, this blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go this week. May you be blessed by God, that in God's very self is designed to be the Holy Trinity, three in one, mystery, community, and yet unity. May we learn to reflect something of that nature of who our God is. May you go in peace. Amen. Yeah.